Hi, and welcome to the 35th Womanthology Podcast. My name is Fiona Tatton, and I'll be your host. Womanthology is a digital magazine and professional community powered by female energy and ingenuity. We champion equal recognition and reward for everyone, sharing opportunities, ideas, and a deep pool of collective wisdom, supporting each other to be unstoppable. The theme of the show today is International Women's Day, and we'll be exploring this year's Break the Bias theme. I will be joined by Alison Zimmerman, Catalyst's Executive Director for Europe, Middle East and Africa. As ever, Inesh Santos, our Associate Editor, will be sharing the details of the news stories in the written issue. A quick reminder that you sign up for the Womanthology newsletter by filling in your details on the front page of the website, that's womanthology.co.uk. You can also join our LinkedIn community by visiting linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash womanthology and find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the Womanthology podcast, Alison Zimmerman, Executive Director at Catalyst Europe, Middle East and Africa. Delighted to be chatting with you. You've been a great friend to Womanthology over many years, pretty much yeah. since we started. And you've written numerous pieces for us. So thank you so much for your ongoing support. Uh, I'm going to ask for a little bit of background for new sure. listeners in the show notes we can link to the pieces you've written so people can recap on the, the wisdom that you've shared but, but for the people that haven't perhaps had a chance to read those yet could you give us a bit of background on your education and your career to date and how you came to be at Catalyst? Great, happy to do so and thank you for having me Fiona and congrats on the great work you've been doing with Womanthology over the years. Well, right back at you, just to say, because I'm a great fan of everything you do, and thank you for your ongoing support. That's okay. A little bit about me, as you can hear, I have an American accent. I grew up in the U.S., in Minnesota, in a very small town, but I knew at 14 that I'd probably be living in Europe, so I started to learn German. You asked about educational background. I double majored in German and communications. I ended up moving to Germany. I ended up marrying a German and, and the rest is history. But I, I studied German and communications because I really wanted to travel the world. I knew this from a very young age. I can't predict the lotto, but I knew that was something I would do when I was older, I hoped to do. And so in my career, I've worked in the airline industry. I've worked as a translator. I worked as a consultant. At one point when we moved back to the States between countries, I also worked for a mutual fund company. I had a broker's license. So I've definitely dabbled in several different sectors and industries. I came to Catalyst after I was hired in Switzerland at a brokerage firm. There were lovely people, but there were so many examples of bias in the workplace. I remember meeting somebody through networking and she made a comment to me where she told me what she did. And I told her, you know, I just quit this brokerage firm, even though I wanted to work, I just couldn't see myself working in that atmosphere anymore. And the rest is history because she shared she was pregnant and said, there's a great company and might you want to step in while I go on 
maternity leave. And that's how I came to Catalyst. I ended up meeting the ED at the time. And I started in the most, I would say, junior role first, a consultant, not junior, and then eventually came in as staff and one of the most junior roles. And, it, and through that, I learned so much about the workplace. I learned so much about our research at Catalyst. Could you tell us a little bit about Catalyst and the way it works? Because it's quite a special organization. Yes. Catalyst is a global nonprofit supported by many of the world's most powerful CEOs and leading companies, largely multinational corporations, to really help build workplaces that work for women. And so we're now in our 60th year. Catalyst began in 1962. And so we focus on four critical areas, such as advancing women into leadership positions, demonstrating how to lead for equity and inclusion and engaging men as gender partners, as well as looking ahead to women in the future of work. Because well, we work with a global community of 500 plus supporter companies. And so we also learn and share leading practices and how to build positive change and create impact. And what does your role at Catalyst involve on a day-to-day basis? So I appreciate there's yeah. quite a one standard day, but uh, if we were imagining Alison at work, what would we be imagining you doing? That's it's a good question. I really have to think about it because it varies from day to day. Sometimes it's a lot of email and connecting with companies and having conversations, but really it can vary. A few weeks ago, I sat down with a CEO and just had a confidential conversation about something that he was struggling with and what were some thoughts about what he might do going forward. Another time was, for example, supporting somebody in the DNI CHRO role. It could be having a conversation and For me, every conversation is confidential. So you do hear how people are doing in the workplace, especially during the time of COVID, the pandemic. We could hear the trends because every time we had a conversation, we were hearing very similar things, not only across companies, but across regions and similar challenges. The context was different, but the challenges were quite similar. And so it really varies. Sometimes it's an email and meeting filled day. Another time, like yesterday, I was sitting in workshops all day. And one we did in German in the morning and the next we did in English in the afternoon. And so that was very interesting. It's not typical to do two in a day like that, but it made the day fly by. When we're working with companies in this way, we hear immediately what is top of mind for them. And if there are global events such as what's happening in the Ukraine right now, we hear about it. We hear about how people are concerned, how they're worried, and we hear about what is top of mind. And so it definitely can be challenging too, in the sense that you can't control that and you've got to be able to listen and support, but also understand that every day is going to be different. How has COVID-19 impacted on the opportunities for women and other groups? And why is intersectionality Mm. so important? There was that popular meme going around along the lines of there's a storm going on, but not everybody has the same boat. To me, when I think about what happened and what is still happening with COVID, who it was impacting, it was highlighting that some people 
had a very positive impression of, oh, this will make us better as a company, whereas others were being impacted on a much deeper level. And so the inequities, not only across socioeconomic status, but when we look at COVID and the devastating impact it had globally on women, particularly women from underrepresented racial and ethnic groups, it highlighted that the world was being experienced completely different across the board by different groups of people. And when you think about intersectionality and why it's so important, I think in the human brain, we want to put people into buckets. We want to say, oh, she's a woman or she's this. People don't belong in buckets. It's really about understanding how this can compound. There was a really interesting study about how women were being impacted. I think it was in Germany they were talking about single mothers and how 75% of single parents are women. The study wasn't focused on Germany. It was a global study. So they were looking at the US, UK and globally. But the point that was being made was women were having to choose between their children and their work. And even women who were in healthcare, women in areas that were really essential roles. And let's be clear, women were the ones in the most essential roles. And so one company, I remember somebody saying, are we the essential workers or are we the sacrificial workers? And that was really hard to hear, but it was true in many ways. And the other thing I would highlight, we did a study and the study was showing the perception. It was in the United States, we're a global organization, but this study specific in COVID, they were looking to see the perception, do you think we'll be more inclusive now because COVID and the, the pandemic has had a devastating impact, but don't you think we'll be more inclusive? And what happened in the study is we found out that leaders were much more optimistic. They felt it would be better for women and other underrepresented groups. When in fact, you ask the employees, the employees did not share the same optimism that the leaders did. And so that disconnect of optimism is something I think any organization across the board can get curious about. And I remember women in the UK telling me, yeah, it's really frustrating. I'm in a one bedroom flat. Whereas I was on a call and the leader was talking about, oh, this has been great being at home and not traveling. And she said, here, I'm in this one bedroom flat and he's at his cottage and I can hear the sheep in the background and the experience on that socioeconomic difference alone started to make people wonder, am I really seeing how the workplace is being experienced by others, or am I only looking at it through my lens of how I'm experiencing it? So it's an opportunity for everybody to get curious. It's not only those going into the office, how are the essential workers, blue collar workers? How are the plant workers? If you're in healthcare, how, how are they doing? Get curious about the impact now as we go into another phase of what this means. 
And do you think a lot of organisations where people are office workers, for example, seem to be settling into a pattern of three days in the office, maybe two days at Mm, home? I would love to say it, but no, it's not. And this is probably uncomfortable. I'd love to say that companies are embracing that three days at home, two days in the office, or many of them, they'll alternate three in the office too, depending on how it is. And now that restrictions are lifting in many parts of Europe. It's not the same. I've had a number of companies reach out to me and not the leaders. It's the employee base. It could be a network and employee resource group that reaches out a leader. It could be somebody who's driving the DNI or who's working with leadership. And some companies are very adamant, I'll be back in the office. And that's really tough because we know that there's a great resignation happening in parts of the world where companies are losing a lot of talent. People are voting with their feet, not only women, men. What we often hear is it's not sustainable the way it was. And if you want to go back to the way it was, that's going to be backwards for me. And so for many people, they're making decisions because they know life is too short and they want to have a workplace that is conducive to how they want to work. What I'm really worried about is going back to what wasn't working And it clearly wasn't working. We tie it to women. We knew pre-pandemic that women aspired, and this is globally. We even looked in Europe, just Europe alone to see, does this hold true? We looked and we found out that women aspired equal to men. It was like 97%, 95% women, 97% aspired to the top of the house. That means C-suite, CEO, CFO, CEO. And these were top business uh, school MBA graduates that we were tracking across many sectors. And what we found is when you did not have flexible remote options available, what happened is not only did women's aspirations drop by 29%, men's aspirations dropped as well, not as much, but as well. And so I would love to say companies are all embracing that hybrid, but no, they're not. And there's a lot of fear around that too. Some of the behaviors we rewarded, such as presenteeism, and you have to be in the office to be seen, that's still running rampant in some organizations. So in the last week, I've had a couple of companies say, we just want to make sure you Don't go too much in depth about hybrid working. That's a concern because it's an opportunity to look deeper and see why not? What are we worried about? I'm speaking very binary here when I use those terms, but we know men and women, this is what they both want. What are we afraid of? Maybe we could be creative to come up with a solution. And so I think there needs to be more dialogue around that. If your company is not keen, why not get curious, be creative and find a way to really listen to the market because this is what the market wants. Interestingly, there's a a tech company called One Disco based in Sheffield in the UK, Mm -hmm. and they've just announced that they're going to four days a week as a result of the pandemic because they worked out that they could do everything in four days, which I think Mm. is really encouraging. Yeah. I mean, I remember before the pandemic, sitting in London with a leadership group, I won't say the sector, but I remember they were laughing. This was pre-pandemic when I said, 
it's an illusion if you think work can only be done in the office, if you think that this is the best work being done. It's an illusion. We had a story in one of our research reports where a woman accidentally left her jacket on a chair and she went home, came back the next day and everybody was praising her. Wow, you work long hours. Wow. She just left her jacket on the chair. So you can bet that as she went forward, she said it was the best investment in a jacket and she just kept her jacket on the chair. So it's about getting real about how the work is done and when it's done. The four days, I love that. I can say for Catalyst, at least for my team and EMEA, we never have meetings on Fridays. We work half days on Fridays. You get so much done Monday through Thursday that by the time you get to Friday, you have time to just focus on some things that maybe you didn't have time during the week. But some on the team only work four days and it works out very well. So I like that approach that they're taking. Again, every company is different. We're a very small organization. It's easy for me to say, but I would still get curious. What are we rewarding? Are we rewarding people in the office? Are we rewarding the perception of work being done? And how is Catalyst supporting International Women's Day this year? We have a campaign and it is reimagining the meaning of CEO. We're calling it the Chief Empathy Officer. And it's a play on what we've done historically on Bias Correct. There are biases that have led us to characterize, for example, empathy as feminine and not suitable for leadership positions. But research proves that empathy is one of the most crucial leadership skills. And it's a business skill and one we're all capable of learning. And there are stereotypes around empathy that women have empathy, men don't know. Gender is not a good predictor of who can be empathetic, but empathy is really a force for productivity, life work integration and positive work experience. And also in a time where people are feeling burnout, in a time where you can't separate work and life as much as we hope. It's a time where leaders are having to step up and become more empathic. Get curious about how their colleagues are doing and also know how to lead a group during times of crisis and struggle. Leadership skills apply to every level of an organization and empathy can be learned from every employee. So our goal is to reimagine the CEO title to promote empathy as a core part of leadership. Go to catalyst.org if you want to know more about this. We'd love to have you participate. So what does this year's International Women's Day theme, Break the Bias, mean to you? That's a good question. For me, it's break the bias of what you think anyone can do. Oftentimes when we talk about gender, what do you think of? You think women, but it's gender. There, there are more genders. Unconscious gender bias remains one of the biggest barriers for women's advancement in the workplace. For example, think leader, think male, that bias that ties in with our chief empathy officer campaign. It's very limiting. So for me, it's really to break the bias 
in the sense of break any limitation. As I said earlier, we don't belong with these labels, but in the same breath, we shouldn't assume anybody based on their gender is a certain way. Women are not a monolithic group. Men are not a monolithic group. Get curious and and really question yourself. And by the way, we all have biases. We know this, but We've got to get curious when we catch ourselves perpetuating a bias, whether it's in our thoughts, whether it's something we joke about on a Friday evening with friends and we go, oh, that's so true about X. We really have to start questioning it and saying, is that really true? Recently, I was in a session and we went into breakout groups and a leader said, I'm really empathetic. We hadn't even talked about empathy. And even I was like, oh, that's so nice to hear. And I realized I didn't expect that from him. I didn't know him. There was no reason I should not expect that. And so we want to break the bias of what we think people can do or what skills they have. Also break the bias of what leadership looks like and questioning all the stereotypes that are out there. So Catalyst is celebrating its 60th year this year. Obviously, you've not been around the whole time. How has the organization evolved and how will you, your colleagues and clients be celebrating? We're very happy to celebrate our 60th year. And you're right, I haven't been around. But you have to imagine how it was in the 1960s when Felice Schwartz, a founder, opened the operations and to how it is now. When Catalyst started, it was very much focused on helping individual women enter the workforce and thrive there. We advocated for flex time, part-time job sharing, which were unheard concepts at that time. We participated in early pilot programs demonstrating that these positions were effective solutions for employers. But it was around the late 1980s when Catalyst recognized that the obstacle face was not themselves, it was the organizations. So we have never been about fixing the women and, oh, women need this or women never. But we knew that we had to really focus more on the the role of the corporations to look broader and wider at who they were deeming was good talent. And so that's when we started giving the Catalyst Award. I believe that was 1987. And we've been doing it every year since. I've only been with Catalyst for 14 of those 60 years, but one shift that I noticed during my tenure is is in the beginning, it was like, show me the data. And that's still important. You always need data to back up, but it has shifted from the what to the how. When we work with companies, it's like, okay, we know this, but how do we create change? And that's really where there has been, I think, much more focused on now. We still get the questions about business case and that it's not going to go away, but people get that there's a reason change needs to happen. And Alison, mm-hmm. what is coming up next for you? What yeah. are you excited about? This could be in work, this could be out of work, this could be lots of things. I'm looking forward to just massive impact. Honestly, I think there is a hunger out there right now for change. And and what's really exciting about now, I think more than previous times, and this is my own opinion, others may feel very differently, is that people, the employees, everybody wants to create change. Not everybody wants to change. There are often fears 
It's like, oh, will I lose out? Will I miss out? But the push for change is so strong. It's not that long ago that we would go in a meeting and people would ask us in Europe if we were feminists. That's just unheard of now. That's not something we would ever be asked or I haven't been asked. But I'm excited about how can we reimagine this workplace? How can we create a workplace where everybody can thrive and where it really matches the market, how they want to work? I think if you create the workplace with the employee in mind, in the sense of listening to them, hearing from them and trusting them, then you will find that the trust, the productivity, the innovation, everything will go up. And so Specifically, what I'm looking forward to is the 2022 Catalyst Awards. It's called The Great Reimagining, Making Work Work for Women. It's on the 17th of March, and it really reflects the urgency with which we must come together and transform the workplace for the new era. So anybody can join. It's a celebration of award winners just to share, to win the award, it takes 500 hours of review and it t- it's a whole year process. We not only look to see what you're doing on paper, but then we go into your company, we interview employees, we find out, are you doing it or is it just something they're saying? So it's very hard to win. We've already revealed that the award winners on March 17th will reveal what they've done. And so stay tuned for that. We will do. Alison, it has been the greatest pleasure catching up with you. Mm, And I just wanted to say thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts, sharing all your wisdom. And can we keep in touch with you as well? We'd love to hear how the awards go. So let's keep in touch. And any way we can support the work that you're doing, please let us know. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you for all the work you're doing. And happy International Women's Day to everybody listening. Hello, my name is Ines Santos, I am the Associate Editor of Womanology and I am here to tell you all about our new issue which celebrates this year's International Women's Day, taking place as ever on the 8th of March. This year's theme is Break the Bias and we have been exploring what that means with each of our contributors. The stories include Joe Field, President of the not-for-profit membership organization Women in Transport shares details of their forthcoming event with the all-party parliamentary group for Women in Transport, looking at transport's gender challenge and the future of the industry. Joe also updates us on the expansion of Women in Transport into new areas of the UK. Nette Schreiber, CEO and co-founder of Safe Up, shares the impactful story of how she came up with the idea of a community safety network enabling women to protect one another after her friends was almost attacked. The resulting SafeUp app now has more than a hundred thousand users after initially launching in Israel before coming to America and the UK. Also, Kylie Holmes Lewis, leading firefighter at London Fire Brigade, shares her experience of being a key worker and being separated from her family to keep them safe during the initial unfolding of the COVID-19 pandemic. She also talks about gender balance at London Fire Brigade and what they are doing to celebrate International Women's Day this year. 
Anais Ehrlich, developer advocate at Aqua Security, talks about the power of women in tech owning what they don't know and normalizing being on a learning journey. She also discusses creating space to talk for International Women's Day and drawing inspiration from conversation. Finally, Maddie Cooper, trainee brewer at Bright Brewery, an independent craft brewery in Victoria, Australia, shares how she created Fred's Blackberry Pale Ale in honor of the co-founder of Bright Brewery, the late, great Fiona Fred Redway. The beer is brewed by the women in the brewery, including Fiona's three daughters and her mother, and it is being launched to coincide with International Women's Day 2022. Cheers to that! Do check out our website, womanfology.co.uk, to read the full stories. And that is all from me. Sadly, that's all we have time for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share the link for the show on social media and also follow the show. The feedback is really important, so please do rate and review the show in your podcast app. Join us for the next episode where we celebrate Women's History Month. <laughs>